Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women's Sports Central. Uh, I'm Brenda Van Lingen, along with Michelle Vopel. We're recording this on Thursday, May 23rd, to get a chance to preview the WNBA season a little bit. But there's also a lot of other things going on in the world of women's sports that we want to get to. And uh, a big part of it is uh, centered around the fact that, uh, you know, the tragic uh, tornadoes that went through uh, Oklahoma earlier this week and just the utter devastation um, that happened there. Uh, you know, that, that city, that metro area, is the site of the uh, College World Series, the, the Softball World Series, where a lot of attention will be focused uh, in the upcoming week and a half or so. And actually, Norman, Oklahoma, just south of Moore, is hosting a super regional uh, this weekend. And, and Michelle, just as, uh, as, as this week has just been uh, such a blur and such a tragedy, um, all the people in Oklahoma, the, the, the universities, Oklahoma State, University of Oklahoma, Tulsa, have all pulled together. Everybody there is pulling together. And there were some conversations about possibly the Big 12 baseball tournament not being played. And the city officials there really said, no, we want it to be played because sports is so important to this community and it's it's a really a, a part of the healing process absolutely and and that's really not a a, um, a lack of perspective thing it's really kind of the opposite because people need some distraction with all the grief and the tragedy and and the, and trying to some people literally rebuild their they're left with matchsticks um, where they once had a home and I think those folks are, you know, very, very focused on just the everyday process of getting by. And, and it seems like they're getting a lot of help, which is a, a wonderful thing um, about how people um, act in tragedy. I, I do have to say, Brenda, sometimes it makes me wonder why we can't be nice to each other the same way all the time right. as we tend to be when, when we face a, a tragedy. But sports, as you and I know, we've spent so much time in Oklahoma, is really like the lifeblood, and, and particularly college sports. I mean, there's the Oklahoma City Thunders become super popular there, but for a long time there wasn't a quote-unquote major league uh, sport. Uh, people always used to joke the major league team was the Oklahoma football team. So <laughs> right. um, having college kids there competing is is a wonderful reminder of what uh, normalcy is mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, and I think people need and want that. They crave that. You know, and uh, I follow Michelle Smith, who, of course, was the uh, incredible pitcher for Oklahoma State in the day, uh, as well as her time with the Olympic team. And um, she is announcing the games in Norman, and she has been tweeting about carving time in her schedule as she goes to Norman to help with uh, the relief efforts. And, uh, you know, as, as we take a look at the, um, the super regionals, that's the, the weekend that we are facing here with uh, Memorial Day weekend. There are going to be a lot of great uh, softball games. Uh, the number one team, and uh, by many experts, the, the favorite, although uh, it's always a question who's going to win uh, the Women's College World Series. But Oklahoma on a mission. They are hosting Texas A&M. Uh, this weekend, and A&M uh, was able to knock off uh, another former uh, Big 12 opponent in Baylor last weekend using their big sticks. A&M, uh, the best in the country at home runs per game. So they're, them matched up against um, 
uh, Kehlani Ricketts and uh, Michelle Gascoigne, the two great pitchers for Oklahoma, that's going to be a great duel. And, of course, Oklahoma very potent offensively. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people will have their eye on that. Uh, Missouri and their great pitcher Chelsea Thomas will be matched up against Washington. Uh, Texas and uh, Connie Clark uh, will be facing Florida State, but I think uh, one one matchup a lot of people will be keeping an eye on, of course, is Tennessee, Alabama, with Alabama the defending champion. So a lot of great softball this weekend, and it will all culminate in the uh, the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City very soon, and so uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that, and I'm sure a lot of people will be around the television this weekend as uh, there will be some fantastic softball games on. Um, let's also talk about uh, the world of golf, Michelle. I know that you have done some uh, some uh, retrospectives and so with the, the anniversary of Annika playing in the Colonial, and you have some, uh, some thoughts that you want to share about Annika. She's really an athlete who I respect as much as anybody I've ever covered in my career because I did have the opportunity to talk to her when uh, she was just coming over to, um, well, she'd she'd been in the United States playing collegiately. She played at the University of Arizona, but she was just coming over as a a pro competitor. Um, And she was playing in the the Solheim Cup in 1994 in West Virginia. And she was very shy. She was just on the cusp of, of really the, the, I guess you would say, her uh, move into stardom. But at that point, nobody really knew who she was. They might have known, hey, this person won, a, won a, the NCAA championship, but she wasn't anywhere famous. She was uh, all by herself um, behind the 18th green during, uh, during the Solheim Cup. And I wanted to do a story for my newspaper then on up-and-coming European players. Mm. And so I went over to talk to her, and, you know, Brenda, you and I do a lot of interviews. You know that interview where the person, you know, they, they're very polite, but they can't wait till the interview's kind of over because they're <laughs> yes. kind of nervous? Uh-huh. That was Annika back then. And she was 24, which at that time, it's sort of funny, was still young in golf. Now we have had all these teenagers and everything. Mm-hmm. So you have Lexi Thompson, you know, doing press conferences when she's 13 and stuff like that. But at that time, Annika was still very, uh, very young in golf. And to watch how she transformed herself, I just, I can't state enough how much respect I have for her because she didn't do that just for herself. She did that for her tour. And she pushed herself. She's a natural introvert and shy person. You know, she's Swedish. She sometimes almost forget that except for the little accent, how, you know, with the fact that she totally assimilated um, in this country and became so popular. I was joking around with somebody once where they're talking about the you know greatest ever European golfers, and they'd kind of forgotten she was European. <laughs> and I was like, hey, hold on a second. You know, we can't claim Monica. She's, she's you know, she's We'd European. Like she's Swedish. Um, but she did so much for her tour. And if it sounds like I'm gushing a little bit, it's because I saw it happen in real time. I saw her at events. Hmm. all from 1994 all the way up to 2008 when she retired and was watching a person grow, not just an athlete. Hmm. And that was what was so amazing. How that relates to now, uh, you know, we saw Colonial, how she sort of took the the whole golf world and really people who didn't even care about golf and, and captivated them. Right. 
How that relates to now, Brenda, is Monica retired five years ago. She has turned herself into a business empire, which is wonderful. It's exactly the kind of model we want people to see. There's life after competition. She says right now, she's like, I don't miss competition. I'm so busy. She's like, I've I've got a million other things to do, and I compete as a businesswoman. Hmm. And so she's a great role model from that, from that standpoint. But will we see somebody elevate to her level, both in terms of their uh, results? Because if you remember, you know, she was coming off a year where she went one eleven times. You know, it was it was it was amazing that that time period really between 2001 and 2005 in particular, when she was just on top of the golf world. If she was on a leaderboard, you know, that meant LPGA event was happening. <laughs> that's how that's how consistent that she was. It was she was always going to be there. Can we get back to that with another player? Because I personally think on any of the golf tours, the the most excitement is when there's one player who kind of is, is like the top dog and everybody's gunning for them. And I'm wondering if, because that takes a really special person, mm-hmm. male or female, it doesn't matter, but in both on both the LPGA and PGA tours, it takes that person who wants, who likes to have that pressure. When I talk to Annika um, for these for this series of stories I'm doing, um, she said, "You know, I loved it." She said, "I got to the point where I loved the pressure. I loved going out there and being on top of the leaderboard and knowing everybody else had to chase me." Hmm. You you don't find that all the time in any sport. There's not a lot of people who love being the person with a target on them, and she did. So I'll be interested to see if that happens. I think it would be great for the tour, no matter where, what country that person's from. It would be great for the tour to have that person really elevate and then stay there for a while, because mm-hmm. she did stay there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Boy, it's it's just hard to believe that was ten years ago. Oh, I know. Isn't that the Isn't that the case though? Anybody's listening to us has to know this, Brenda. Mm-hmm. As you get older. You lose your. You sometimes lose your sense. You like, oh, that was a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> no, that was ten years ago. And you and I, this has been thirty years since you and I graduated from high school, and you're we're probably like, oh yeah, oh yeah, thirty. Right. Uh huh. Okay. Right. So it is weird how time gets kind of compressed. It does <laughs> a little bit <laughs> in our memories. So. Yeah. Well. But. Uh, I, I hope everybody gets a chance. I know not all of our listeners maybe are as into golf. This is less about, even if you're not into golf, this is about a female athlete who grew as a person, grew as a competitor, and now is a businesswoman. All the things you and I talk about all the time, the stages of your life, Mm -hmm. if you're a competitor, how you grow, how you plateau, how you gracefully exit, and then how you move on with the whole rest of your life. Mm -hmm. There is nobody better. Right now that I would say, hey, you want to look at somebody who did it really well and is still doing it, it's Annika Sorenstam. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of uh, my messages when I go out and speak is how athletes um, can really take advantage of their advantage. And sometimes they don't realize that when they make that transition from their playing days to whatever they're going to do after. But, you know, all the lessons, all the experiences, all the skills they developed – 
all of those things as an athlete can be turned and leveraged into, you know, a fun and fulfilling career beyond sports. I don't care if you're a high school athlete or a college athlete or professional or whatever, uh, sports has that impact uh, because of all the experiences you have on and off the court uh, in competition, in, in practices, goal setting, all of those things. And, uh, and Annika is certainly uh, among the best uh, in, in being that model for everybody. So I appreciate you sharing that. And people can check out uh, your stories on her ESPN.com, ESPNW, and, uh, and reflect on and all that uh, Annika means to, to women's sports, uh, just sports overall. Let's, uh, let's shift gears and let's take a look as the WNBA season is uh, upon us. Uh, there have been preseason and or exhibition games, and uh, it's time to get things started. And I know you have done a lot of previews, and if people want a chance to really preview team by team, they need to take a look at your work. Michelle, you have been super busy this past week, two weeks, getting ready for the WNBA season. You want to tell people what they can find? Uh, yeah, between uh, the other Michelle Smith, there's uh, Michelle Smith, the the famous uh, softball yes. player, and then there's Michelle Smith, my famous uh, uh, colleague uh, <laughs> at uh, ESPN.com. Mm -hmm. uh, she's done a lot of the, she did a lot of the West, what we call capsules, preview capsules, uh, and a story on Lindsay Harding, who is, um, you know, now with Los Angeles, and combining with former Duke teammate Elena Beard and Gail Gessencourt is now going to be a consultant. So that's sort of Gail's first uh, toe back into the water, if you will, of mm -hmm. coaching, which I think is, is now inevitable, mm -hmm. uh, which is a good thing. Yes. We, I think we, we all we want to see Gail back in coaching. So she's going to be a, a consultant with the Sparks. And then Michelle did West Capsules. I've done a story on uh, Mike Tebow and his first season now and a, and a new start with Washington. Um, I have a story up. I think it is, it's not up now. It should be up pretty soon on Indiana and the whole process of how they kept their team together. Uh, you know, they had to re-sign a lot of people and try to keep the chemistry together and just what the offseason was kind of like for them because winning a championship um, improves your business, mm -hmm. which is uh, which is a great thing. And, and the, the fever have definitely embedded themselves more into the business community and more into the community at large after winning a championship. And then uh, I also have um, sort of a column that overviews the whole season and, uh, and encapsules, if you will, outlooks on each of the teams. So, um, you know, hopefully we've, we've given people a lot of preview stuff to think about and look at, and we've given them picks to pan, which is always good, you know, so mm -hmm. people can say, Vopal, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, what else is new? So, um, so that's, you know, we always have that up there too. So people can kind of disagree with us on who we pick for, you know, as if, as if Brenda preseason picks are really, you know, a big deal, right. <laughs> you know, like. People say, well, who is the most improved player going to be? I'm like, how in the world do I know who the most improved player is going to be? You know, how about we sit back and watch? Yeah. But, uh, but we have to pick, so we pick. And then people can pan them, and that's, that's fun. 
Well, and, le- and let's just give an overview of that because you've done so much writing, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's no reason for us to go in and talk about that. You and I mentioned this off air. It, it's some, some of those things, it's better just comb through and read it because there's so much information. Uh, but as we, we look at the West and the addition, of course, of Brittany Griner to the already potent Phoenix Mercury, many have them as a, a favorite, but uh, Minnesota, the defending champions on on the uh, Western Conference, and then what uh, what Carol Ross and, and L.A. is doing with Candace Parker and Oliver and, and all of that group. I mean, th- there's there's no doubt, right, that those three are, are have risen above everybody else in the West. The question might be who will get that fourth playoff spot. And then in the Eastern side, it, it's like how do you even know Who's going to make the playoffs? They are there is such parity in the Eastern Conference. Everybody, when you look team to team, there's just not much difference. There really isn't, and that's one of the things I found particularly difficult in trying to pick um, the the projected order of finish. Um, it was like, okay, I ended up picking um, for Connecticut and Atlanta to not make the playoffs, but. I don't think they're bad teams. I think they, heck, Brenda, they could, you know, they could finish one, two. Right. Seriously. That's, I mean, it's not like I'm looking at this and saying, oh, you know, those are clearly the teams that are not. All six of those teams, I think, are going to be good. And where I kind of rolled the dice in terms of these picks, which, again, are, I don't think, I don't take nearly as seriously as as I think fans sometimes do, (laughs) because they don't mean anything. Uh, but where I sort of said, okay, what what could what could sort of shake this up? And I think it's Elena Deladon joining Chicago and Chicago having that hunger, and then Bill Lambeer um, in New York. So I kind of you know put some emphasis on on those two things, and then what Mike Tebow is doing joining Washington. Mm-hmm. And I could be really you know off base on that. It could be that those additions don't. Um, spark those teams as much as I think they might, but I I do think um, it's it's going to be really really uh, right down to the wire probably, and we've seen this at the East before a lot. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get? Uh, maybe somebody will separate themselves a little bit at the top, but maybe not. I mean, it really could go, come down to the last weekend who goes to the playoffs and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And and really, don't you think that is the story of the Eastern Conference? Are the the coaching changes uh, of the six teams? Four of them uh, have new coaches for the whole season. Uh, with as you mentioned, Mike Tebow going to Washington, Connecticut now with Ann Donovan, Atlanta. Fred Williams will be in that position from the start of the season, and then Bill Lambeer coming back to New York, and just. Uh, just Bill Lambeer coming back to the WNBA shakes things up and being in New York. I'm just, I'm really excited about that and, and how that should re re-energize or, or, you know, take that, uh, the spotlight for the Liberty and the toughness and everything about them. It, it just, it just mixes it all up again. He just, um, uh, has proven to be such, uh, such an incredible coach you know I was one of those that kind of rolled my eyes when he first got into the league I'll admit and uh you know just the the commitment he's made and the the teams that he's churned out and and all that he's done I'm excited to have him back in the league I've always said that 
it you know it helps the league when New York is a good team. Mm-hmm. It is the media capital of of the world, mm-hmm. and so if the Liberty are a good team, it's usually probably going to be a good thing for the league in terms of the attention it gets. Now, does it necessarily get a lot of attention from local media as much as maybe we think it should? Maybe not, but but if the Liberty get into the WNBA Finals, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but if that happens under Bill Lambeer, the the reality is the combination of it being in New York and Bill Lambeer involved right. is a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's it you know you 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 just can't deny that he brings a certain you know with his with his background with his personality that he brings a, a, a certain level of attention that maybe not everybody else does, and I think that is good. He's also building a team that I think. It it doesn't just it isn't just that the team has some former a bunch of former Detroit Shock players, but the composition of the team I think is going to look a lot like the Shock. And and one of the key components would be Cappy Pondexter because like Deanna Nolan was for the Shock, she is just a supreme athlete uh, as a guard. I mean, as good as it is, as good as it gets, mm-hmm. and as far as her athleticism, and so he's. I think he's going to be able to construct something that is similar. Uh, will it Will it work this year in terms of making it all the way to the finals? I I don't know that, mm-hmm. but I do think they have a decent chance at the playoffs, which mm-hmm. is why I picked them yeah. to go to the playoffs. And along with that, I think you and I. Uh, both agree that this is a, and and maybe we can discuss this. This is a year when I think there will be a rise in the general public's attention on the WNBA, and there have there have been shots in the arm and and times when it's caught the attention of the general sports fans, but for the most part, it's a it's a loyal group of. Uh, women's basketball fans, some college fans, some not, but I think there will be more college fans, even more coming over to the WNBA this year, and more attention just generally from sports fans because of what we talked about on our last show, the the three to see. And already we're seeing the impact. Before they've even played their first professional real game, Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins and Elena Deladon are already garnering attention within their own communities, uh, nationally in the media spotlight, and it's got to be good overall for the WNBA to get this spike in attention this season. These three have had a lot of uh, attention put on them, and they've all proved up to the task Mm -hmm. of dealing with that. And it goes back, you know, we, we talked about the whole the setup of having the three to see uh, in in college and the three of them even, you know, meeting last year at at ESPN and kind of familiarizing themselves with each other, they all knew then, hey, this is going to be a narrative that people are going to follow and it's going to be an extra tension for all of us. In the case, if we could take them case by case, yeah, let's do obviously um, Elena Deladon was sort of, I, I sort of refer to her as the crown jewel of the CAA, which means she was sort of a hidden gem. We hmm. heard a lot about her, and we wrote a, a fair amount about her. She did get national attention, but we didn't see her that much. Um, you know, ESPN didn't have rights to, to the CAA, so it, it wasn't like, you know, people said, why didn't they just put... That their games on well they didn't they didn't have contractually they weren't able to just go in and put on any game they wanted to out of the CAA. She just didn't get that many games on television, so a lot of people didn't 
didn't see her, in, in fact, until um, NCAA tournament time, which was her her junior and senior year. Right. That, I've, I'm sure, whetted everybody's appetite because what we saw of her in the NCAA, NCAA tournament was amazing. She's now in a big city. She's so excited about being in the city. I mean, well, I talked to her on a, a teleconference earlier this week, and she said, you know, she just loves being in Chicago. Hmm. It's been a, a really nice experience for her so far. So we're seeing her blossom more in terms of getting more spotlight. Some people might say, oh, she already had a lot of it. But I, hers was somewhat diffused, if Agreed. you will, compared Agreed. to the other two. Mm-hmm. And, and she has, and she's had an opportunity to do a first pitch at a Cubs game and has really taken advantage of being in Chicago. And and even even being in a big market city, that city has not necessarily embraced their WNBA franchise in the past and has not gotten a lot of attention as far as uh, attendance and so forth. And you have to think that her presence and what she's doing out out in the spotlight is going to be helping them. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think she's going to obviously it won't just be the the um if you will, it the substance is going to back up everything because she, her game is going to back it up. Mm-hmm. And I will say the same thing as we transition to Skylar Diggins. Skylar has gotten a lot of attention really since her her sophomore year when she helped lead her team to the final four in Indianapolis and became this Twitter sensation. Mm-hmm. And she's maintained that level of popularity even probably it's, it's, it's certainly raised. Uh, there's a lot of attention to the fact that she signed with uh, Jay-Z's Rock Nation. Jay-Z gave her a Mercedes for a graduation present. How about that? It, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you and I kind of, what would you get for a graduation present, Brenda? Was it, it was sort of like a Mercedes, I think it was like right? a Samsonite set of luggage or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I got a Walkman, and I thought it was absolutely awesome. <laughs> I really did. I thought that was that was exactly what I wanted, and that's what my mom got me. So I, I thought that was neat. Um, it's all a matter of perspective, right? right? Um, but here's the thing about Skylar, and I think you and I both have seen this. This young woman's gotten a lot of attention, but she's kept her feet on the ground in terms of she wants to be a great basketball player. She hasn't, you know, the, the fact that she got all that attention and – you know, and, and it was coming from external sources away from women's basketball. Um, it was her sophomore year, she still made it back to the Final Four, her junior and senior year. She mm-hmm. did not take her eye off the task at hand. And I think that's Skylar's personality. Mm-hmm. She wants to be a superstar, but she understands part of being the superstar, the biggest part, is you producing as a basketball player. Exactly. And And I think that personality is... Again, you know, we talked about Annika's personality and it being so, somewhat rare. I also think the personality of somebody who can handle a ton of attention and a lot of glamour, a lot of, you know, people who are really into her even for non-basketball reasons and yet never take her eye off the ball, so to speak, about what's so important, the everyday task of of working out and becoming a better basketball player. She's prepared yeah. for this a long time. She's incredibly smart kid. Yes, yeah, she is. And I think she understands, you know, that you, you never you never get too far away from the, the core of who you are, which is a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And uh, the attention that's being drawn to her, the, the Tulsa shock, 
Uh, Tulsa, not a huge media market, and it's you know gone gone under the radar in so many ways. But she can she's going to bring a lot of attention, and already ESPN is going to be featuring Tulsa in their uh, Memorial Day game on Monday. So you know that shows her impact as well. And I agree with you. You know, in, in meeting her over the years, she is very focused on her. Uh, basketball career in addition to all the other uh, assets that she has and all the other opportunities she will have as she goes forward. And then and then you look at Brittany Griner and her really blossoming and taking advantage of the opportunity to be um, on a stage where she can share what she, what is really important to her. Absolutely. And and she's another another person who you, you know we we talk about young women blossoming and finding their voice. And Brittany really has. I mean, Brittany is very, very much um, committed to helping LGBT youth because she knows um, the, the struggles and the pain you can go through um, because she's been to them herself. What has been, um, you know, sort of inevitable is that attention has been drawn to the fact that, that Brittany is speaking out this way and, and becoming really a role model um, for reaching out to kids in particular, and then for just saying, I'm going to live my life very openly mm-hmm. uh, with some of the policies at Baylor where she went to school. And so it has caused a conflict, and you and I talked about this on a previous show. But what I will say is I think, it's, I think these things have to happen. I think there's, there's got to be some examination uh, at Baylor of, okay, hey, this was somebody who was uh, beloved, superstar and how comfortable was she all the time here well i think for the most part they would say she was comfortable but she was told if we are to take her at her word which i have no reason not to she was told to sort of keep that quiet and is that uh is that really how we want to instruct people in terms of how to live their lives as if there's something about their private or personal lives that they should you know be be ashamed of because that's kind of the the way that it comes across. I I do I do want to say this, Brenda. I think Kim Mulkey's a very good coach, and I think she is somebody that's really good with with kids. I mean, I think she takes good care of her players. Heck, she doesn't like me still because of a column I wrote criticizing uh, uh, Brittany. You know, she was so protective of Brittany that she would get mad about things that people wrote about Brittany or, or anybody else. I do think she is protective. You've, you know, a lot of players will speak out about really liking to play for her. It doesn't change the fact, though, that there's, there's a, an issue there that I think everybody has to look at. We are in a changing society, and we have people that are coming forth and saying, hey, I don't want to live in the closet anymore. I don't want to pretend I'm ashamed of this because I'm not. This is who I am, and it's a good thing. Right now, it's kind of, I think it's kind of painful for everybody involved in Baylor and maybe even a little painful for Brittany, but there's a lot of good, I think, that'll come from this. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And and for her to, to take the stance that she has and to um, be a part of the anti-bullying campaigns and the other things mm-hmm. that, she, that she's doing, uh, you know, you have to give her a lot of credit for being... Uh, the young woman that she is and standing up for not only what she believes in overall, but just, just doing the right thing by her heart. And I I think she should get a lot of credit for that. 
And isn't she just, isn't it just fun to see her, like, the the smile, the jokes? I mean, we, we all knew, those of us who covered her, we, mm-hmm. could, we would see that. We would see, especially when she was alone, you know, when she, up on the podium, kids are always um, a, a lot more quiet. But we would see alone, mm-hmm. we would see how quick-witted she was, how, how dry-witted. I mean, she's a funny kid. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing all of that kind of blossom now. I use that word because I love it because mm-hmm. I, I think that's what happens um, with, with kids, really almost from that 20 to 25 period so mm-hmm. much uh, I, I think their eyes open a lot they grow a lot as as adults and we're seeing that now and uh, and I think it's great and I and I certainly hope Baylor people understand Brittany I don't think Brittany's throwing rocks at Baylor I think Brittany's just being honest mm-hmm. and honesty um, ultimately helps everybody right yep the authentic self for sure and and so all these things that each of these three, Griner and Diggins and Deladon, are doing off the court uh, are drawing attention in very different ways, but drawing attention to uh, the WNBA and uh, female athletes and women's sports and, and all of this, I think, um, I think it's amazing how the three of these young women have taken on this responsibility. You know, this this moniker was put on them three to see, but how each of them have carried it in their own way to carry their own message and be their own authentic self. And I, I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic for them and for the league and for women's sports in general. It's a, it's a new chapter, really. It's a new time in women's sports, and it's exciting to see. And it's exciting and it's- to see the leadership from young women. And I will say, I think it's going to help you. You notice, Brenda, every almost every team is using um, the three to see the other teams that they aren't on is using the three to see to sell tickets. They have like three to see packages, mm-hmm. you know, like come, uh, you know, you can get a ticket package that it's going to have the the games where the three to see are going to come in and, and play. Well, that's awesome. You know that every you know everybody's going to say, okay, we didn't get Brittany Griner, but hey, she can help our attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's perfect. Perfect, yeah. smart marketing, and we have uh, talked the the whole time we've done this this show and this podcast about how important it is to market intelligently yes. for women's professional sports, and that is a great example of it. Exactly. Well, there's so much more to talk about with the WNBA, and we'll talk about it as the season progresses. But as we mentioned, go to ESPNW and ESPN.com to check out uh, Michelle's previews of the season along with Michelle Smith. And there's so much good information there that you can see. Uh, Before we wrap up here today, um, there was a hire uh, at Texas Tech that Michelle and I wanted to talk about a little bit uh, with Christy Curry leaving and going to Alabama. Um, The decision was made by Texas Tech to go with with one of their own uh, a former player Candy White at the time now is Candace Whitaker uh, she was a head coach at UMKC so uh, Michelle and I had a chance to see her right here in our own uh, backyard being a head coach and then she decided to leave UMKC to be an assistant coach to or associate head coach uh, to Jim Littell who she had played for in junior college but it allowed her to get back to the level of competition of the Big 12, and she was ready. And when I saw that this position was open and really thought about who could be the best hire, uh, it, it, was, it, it was along the lines of what you and I, Michelle, have talked about 
with the UCLA and USC jobs, you have to, uh, you know, you have to have a sense of that area, that that area of the country to be, to do that job the best. Well, <laughs> to be successful at Texas Tech, you really have to have a sense of what West Texas is all about. And they could not have hired better, in my opinion, uh, a West Texas girl, uh, a former Texas Tech player, and then somebody that has head coaching experience and success and and has coached in the Big 12. Uh, I think it was just a great hire for Texas Tech. I agree. And while nobody can be Marsha Sharp, you can't replicate that and, and, and Candy shouldn't try uh, to replicate that. But what, what she can do, and I, and I think what she is going to be capable of doing, is connecting to the fans in the way that, that Coach Sharp did. There, you know, Coach Curry, I think that's, that's always tough. It's always tough to come in there and be the, the coach who, we, you know, we always talk about, the coach who follows the legendary coach. And, you know, we saw at, you know, for kind of um, – for somewhat different reasons, because Gail Gessen, of course, wasn't a Southerner, and Christy Curry is. We saw Gail Gessen, of course, come in and try to follow uh, Jody Conrad, and things didn't click the way that anybody wanted them to, least of all Gail. She she really had to struggle to connect in a way that she wasn't expecting to. And it, it took a while, and that, it, you know, it didn't ended up not working out. She ended up leaving. And then you see um, Chrissy Curry came in, and, and it was hard for her to click and connect with Texas Tech fans the, the same way that Marsha Sharp had. You know, it was, and that would be hard for anybody because right. Marsha Sharp is it's just got that personality. The, she had such a, a rapport with the people there. So in a lot of ways, I think this is probably a good situation because, um, because you know, Coach Whitaker isn't replacing Coach Sharp. You know, she doesn't, she's not doing that. She's, um, she's once removed from that and she's young, she's dynamic. Uh, I, I thought it was a very smart move on her part. I don't know if she really could see all the, all the checkerboard moving if she's that prescient, which is amazing if she is, Mm -hmm. but to make the move back into the big 12 as an associate head coach, not everybody will do that. Once they're a head coach, they're almost like afraid to take that quote unquote, you know, they would maybe see that as a step back, but I didn't see it that way at all. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really positioning herself to be ready for the next big head coaching job that she would fit for. Right. And it turned out to be literally the, the perfect fit for her. There wouldn't have been any place you could think of that she probably would have more wanted to go than, than go back to Texas Tech. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Christy Curry should get credit for the success that she did have there and, you know, getting the program back to the NCAA tournament, et cetera. But, but you're right about the, the connection with the fans. The, the fan base just hasn't been there as much over the last few years, and I hope that uh, uh, Candace is able to, to bring, bring that back uh, with that West Texas uh, love of, of girls' basketball, women's basketball, Texas Tech for sure. Um, and I hope Christy Curry's really successful at Alabama because yeah, heaven knows Alabama needs. You know, we we've you know those who have been in followed women's basketball long enough remember when Alabama was the Final Four team. Yes. Well, that's now, you know, a long long time ago. But you hope, uh, you know, that she's able to because I I do think it, it wasn't all her fault. You know, it's not like she did a terrible job. I think she worked her tail off, Absolutely. as did her husband. It mm-hmm. just didn't work quite the way she wanted it to and now she's in a situation where 
uh, the expectations, I think, are, you know, a, a little bit more reasonable, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Alabama hasn't had success in a long time. So any success, I think, is going to be a step forward. And maybe that's going to be a good, refreshing situation. Or I, I'm sure it will be for, for Christy Curry to be in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, uh, as we wrap up the show today, any parting shots, Michelle? I am just so ready for the WNBA, WNBA season to get here, Brenda. I'm so excited, really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some great games, and it's really cool that on uh, Memorial Day uh, I'll be going down to Tulsa, but then we'll also get a chance to see, uh, you know, on television on ESPN too, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a chance to see Brittany Griner uh, in action. And, and she's going to be going against uh, uh, Elena Deladon with, with Chicago. So that's, you know, that's, Monday is going to be a chance to see all, you know, the top four picks because uh, Washington with Taylor Hill is going to be playing in Tulsa. So it's it's just a really nice way to start off the season. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to mention this because there's a new rule in the WNBA this year, the defensive three-second violation, and um, that will be referred to, and sometimes you'll hear shows and, and people just assume that you know what that is. If, if you're watching and you're not familiar with that rule since the WNBA is starting this weekend, I had a chance to talk to Dee Kantner, the supervisor of officials for the WNBA, and just want to give you some clarification on that. No defender may be within that 16-foot lane for more than three seconds unless they're actively guarding an opponent. And what does actively guarding mean? They have to be within an arm's length of an opponent. And if they're in there for more than three seconds, there will be a violation, and it will be the other team's ball. So if they're if they're def- if they're not actively defending a player they have to cleanse actually they call it cleanse the area where they have to step with both feet outside of the lane uh, before they come back into defense so basically they're just trying to stop having players sagging in the lane and being in a in a zone position to help with drives if they're not defending somebody it, it opens up the lane hopefully it opens up scoring for the WNBA i think it should be a real positive thing Uh, But that may be a rule that you see called that you may not be familiar with, and that's what the defensive three-second violation is all about. And uh, they're also they're also you know keeping an eye on flopping. They won't call something in the game if somebody uh, overtly flops and there's no contact, but the referee will note that on their post-game report and send it to the league office, and the league office uh, uh, on a first offense will issue a warning and on a subsequent offense uh, issue a fine. So it's not, if you see a flop and you hear announcers talk about it, um, it won't be called one way or the other I mean hopefully the referee won't be fooled by it uh, if it is a flop where there's no contact made but that will be uh, reviewed by the league office to determine whether a fine is levied so just a couple things to to keep an eye on as you uh, watch the WNBA season we covered a lot today from uh, super regional softball to Annika Sorenstam to the uh, the WNBA coming up and Texas Tech new hire. We just appreciate all of you being with us. We hope you have a restful and peaceful Memorial Day weekend and we really appreciate you joining us. Make sure you tell somebody else about Women's Sports Central so they'll uh, get a chance to listen in as well. On behalf of Michelle Vopel, I'm Brenda Van Langen. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everyone. (laughs) 